Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park podcast where we highlight and showcase the different gifts and talents our agents bring to the table. Today we are interviewing Mike Greco, long time coming. We're very, very excited to have you, Mike. John Nagin. Good afternoon. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> um, Mike, we are thrilled, like John said. It has been a long time coming, so thank you so much for making the time. We know you are very, very busy. Um, we always like to get started just sharing a little bit about our guests. So one thing that's really cool about you in your real estate career is you know, for many of the years you've been in real estate, you had the awesome experience and opportunity to work with a top producing team here at our office, Millie Rosenblum's team, and you were involved in generating over $215 million in volume. That's a lot of volume uh, for any agent. Um, and that was over 250 closed deals. So I can't imagine just how much you've learned from that experience alone, um, but it's definitely served you well. A lot of your clients say that no matter what concerns they have, what fears they have coming in, you've helped them alleviate everything and just have that confidence to make a decision whether they were buying selling, renting, or investing. So we are so excited uh, for you to continue your career now uh, on your own as a solo agent and just seeing all the growth you've already had is fantastic. So very excited to learn from you today. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think, Nadine, what you mentioned, like joining Millie's team kind of right off the bat in my real estate career definitely put me down a different course than was traditional. Um, and I can't you know, explain enough and I'm so grateful for that opportunity to learn from, I think, the best in Chicago and to see, you know, 250 plus deals, over $200 million in sales in those four plus years. So yeah. um, definitely very happy to have done that and grateful. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Millie's an icon. Her team is iconic. You guys are all just such wonderful people too. And we love having them in the office. We're really excited to see you take off on your own now. I know it's already been a great, great year for you so far since you made that transition. Yeah, it's, um, I love being able to take care of, or I love being able to grow my own business now and focus solely on that, where before I was doing my own business, but also working with the Millie Rosenblum company and all the, um, all the things that go with that. So being able to, you know, fully focus on this has been great. The market is alive, the market's moving. Uh, and be able to take what I've learned and really bring it over to my own Mike Greco real estate. Yeah, Greco buddy. It's going to be the next so icon of Chicago real estate. True that. You're here, he already is. That iconic logo he has. The best <laughs> of that. Let's start, let's start from the very beginning of you, though. Like, what made you start in real estate in the first place? Good question. So I, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. When I was in high school, I did a career project where it was 
Baker career and do a lot of research about it and, you know, put together this report about it. And I ended up doing real estate then. So something about real estate always intrigued me. I think a combination of the business side of things, but also the lifestyle of the flexibility around it really kind of mm -hmm. fascinated me and piqued my interest. Um, about six or seven years ago, I started really seriously thinking about real estate while I was doing my other job. And what attracted me, you know, to move over was the flexibility in the schedule, the able to be my own boss and not rely on a salary from a company, but really be um, able to feel the rewards of my work uh, directly and able to do something that I think is really interesting, being able to engage with my clients, be able to gauge um, with problems and, and overcome them. Yeah, absolutely. So when my you started, oh, no. After you, Nagin. Sorry. Sorry. There, is there a weird delay or is that just me? No, I can, there, hear, I can hear you both on either side of these walls. <laughs> like two seconds before we're on the stream. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to interrupt, John. Real simple question. What were you doing before real estate, Mike? Sure. I was a manager for Target. So I started oh, okay. as a logistics manager uh, in some of the downtown stores. So I was there for almost five years. I worked at the one in South Loop and then the one on State of Madison. And then also I did some uh, resource and support help for the other targets in the Chicagoland area. And I really liked the job because I was able to work with people. I was able to um, do a variety of different, I don't know, like every day was different. So it was a variety of, over, of different obstacles to overcome. But ultimately, you know, I wanted to be have a little bit more independence and be able to really feel the, uh, I'll get the fruits of my labor. Sure. I totally get that. <laughs> when you, when you got your license, did you, did you go straight to Millie's team? What did sure, that so, look like? Yeah, no, I got my license and then I spent about four or five months as an independent broker. Mm -hmm. And at that time I only had one or two buyers and I was chasing down rentals. I was taking out floor calls and growing my business from that route. Um, during that time, I was doing open houses for Millie. I was doing some showings for Millie. And um, the opportunity came up to interview for her team for a full-time position, kind of as her right-hand man. And, uh, you know, I talked with David a lot about the decision, about which path to take. And ultimately, I decided that, you know, I'm going to take this I want to join Millie's team full-time. Um, I agreed to do, I think, one year or two years, and then I ended up spending four. So absolutely loved it. And uh, now I'm back to being an independent broker. What do you think to a new agent, from your experience, what do you think are some benefits to being a part of a team like Millie's? And what do you think are some of the benefits of being an independent agent? Sure. So... For being on a team, you're able to see a variety of projects. So I was able to work on new construction high rises, mm -hmm. new construction of three flats, finding teardown homes, looking for condo deconversions. So a whole gamut of not only prices, but also property types. Sure. Um, learning the luxury side from Millie, who's a luxury broker. So selling you know, $7 million condos all the way and everything in between. Um, learning 
directly from her because we're such a close-knit team. So seeing how deals really happen. You know, you learn a lot in real estate school, but I don't know how much of that is actually applicable to real life. And being able to see the problem solving that she does, being able to network, all that stuff is really heightened and you get it a lot at once. So I'd say some of those, those are definitely some of the positives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, some of the positives of being an independent broker is you're truly figuring it out on your own and you're able to own your time. So you're strictly focusing on your own business. You have a lot more independence and flexibility because, you know, if you wanted to go golfing one day or take a Thursday off, you can't. With So you have a lot less responsibility to others, but almost more responsibility to yourself. For sure. um, and I think too, you know, I don't think necessarily one path is better than the other. I think it all depends on the situation and making sure whichever plan you do have or whichever route you do have, you have a good plan with that. And I think that's what's helpful with um, our office and talking with, you know, people like Nagin, people like David and Diana is deciding my own, per you know, with my own personal situation, what makes the most sense for me. Yeah. Well, and too, like you, you mentioned it too, like teams are not created equal and we have, you know, a few teams in our office and everyone is structured differently. But what I think the great thing is about all of them, including Millie's team, is they're relatively small. So if you know, you said yourself, you got to be her right-hand man. That's not always the case. You had a, such a unique opportunity to learn so much, uh, you know, from the the queen of real estate herself, which is which is pretty great. And I think that if you can find that type of opportunity on a team, I would have. If I was in your shoes, I would have taken that. I would have jumped at that chance too. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things about real estate. It's like real estate can look so differently being a real estate broker for so many different people. You know, I know I'm very team oriented and I was my growing up with sports and my past job. And I know I really liked and thrived with being on a team. I like having accountability with others. There are some people who I know who are brokers here and at other offices who totally are on their own, totally independent. Right. So it's really just what makes sense for you. And I think a lot of times too, brokers don't know that when you start, you're still kind of figuring out your path. Mm -hmm. But I like that there's always options. What sports did you play, Mike? Uh, I played football, basketball, and lacrosse. Just a good That's old American boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, also frisbee like golf. Frisbee golf. Yeah. Is that the same as frolf? Yeah. It is. You know the slang term. Well, I, someone, I don't know, John. <laughs> We don't put my name and cool in the same sentence. You know this. But someone did gift me a frolf disc years ago. I don't know why. I showed no interest in the sport. Yeah, if you go about 25 minutes outside the city into suburbia, you get a lot of frolf courses. Interesting. Is there good networking on the frolf course like there is on the golf course? <laughs> That's a really good question. I haven't found it yet. I'm just saying. <laughs> maybe I should do it. Make it legal. Close some deals on the frolf course. That should yeah. be your key. <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, John. I, uh, sorry for the tangent. Back to you. No, that was really that was really valuable. I had no idea you were a frolfer. That does change the way I look at you a lot. Um, I won't Hopefully for the better. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you are you're you're a solo agent now. You're going off on your own, and you're doing incredible. So I know that you've put a lot of work 
in doing so into branding yourself. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think branding is so important? I think your branding should be representation of your business, right? So yeah. I want my branding to be consistent. I want it to be professional and I want it to be um, upscale, but not snooty, you know, and I just want to be like a high quality brand that's trustworthy. So I think any, you know, communication that I'm sending out via email, via text, via Instagram uh, or website all has kind of a similar feel to it mm -hmm. and language and uh yeah i mean that's what i'm trying to convey yeah for sure consistency and and showing people who you are um i think obviously in a real estate agent can be a great real estate agent without putting a lot of work into their branding however it's not helpful if you don't have that image because people are, are looking at, at this image you're projecting and, and you're selling yourself as a real estate agent. So if your branding's not consistent, if you're not putting that work in, there's, you're gonna lack a certain finesse compared to other agents who are putting that work in. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good way of saying it. And I think too, someone mentioned this to me, I forgot who, but I, so Instagram is where I do most of my marketing and I'll do a post every week or so. And someone made the analogy or was, and was saying that, how many times have you been going through your phone on Instagram and you've seen somebody else, someone's username pop up and their icon and all of a sudden it pings you and it reminds me, reminds you of, oh yeah, I, I owe this person a phone call or I they left my sweatshirt at my place six months ago and I need to return it to them. Mm -hmm. So to be back in mind, is really important to be on that feed. And so that's why I try to be, somewhat consistent with that is to be yeah. top of mind yeah and I mean and to that point I think a lot of times agents get worried that they don't know what type of content to produce or it's not going to be good enough content so they just don't post anything and to some degree Instagram is something where quantity is more important than quality right because it's just a constant stream of images it doesn't really matter what you're posting as long as you're getting totally your agree. Up. Obviously, you don't want to like post something super shitty, but like <laughs> yeah, it's probably more important to post anything. Yeah. And I think at the beginning, too, for a lot of brokers, and I remember myself, too, feeling weird about posting stuff and feeling slightly embarrassed and feeling like this isn't me. But we're a real estate broker. We're selling a service mm -hmm. um, and just put it out there. You know, you get used to it. Yeah. And I guess... So this is a question I didn't prepare you for, and it's kind of off base, but it kind of relates. So you don't have to answer it if you don't have one. Um, I feel like from where I am, as a new broker, it's so easy to feel imposter syndrome. Like, especially since I've been taking real estate courses, I know that when I get my license, I'm still not going to know much about real estate because it's all just this, these facts that don't really relate to an actual transaction. So how do you jump from being a, a brand new real estate agent who just knows what you learned in these classes to feeling confident enough and not like an imposter? Is that what, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you get over that? Mm -hmm. I think it's building the confidence and getting that confidence from different places. Sure. For me to get that confidence, it was knowing which partners to take. So I remember Mark Kowalik had started, he's a broker in our office and he had started two years before I did. And he was able to, 
really be there and be available as a resource for me whenever I needed it. And by having him consulting for me and giving me the advice and going to David when needed, I was able to slowly build up that confidence. And once you get a couple of deals under your belt, you know, I really, it felt very different. Also, a lot of what's kind of cool with our office is that there's usually about five or six brokers that are relatively new and you kind of grow together. You know, you, you see each other at the office, you're able to network or touch base with each other in status. And what's happened is people who are year end, you know, take care of the people who are just started. And there's that type of like relationship that goes on. And I think that's, that will give you the confidence. And once you see your, you know, your colleagues doing it, and once you start doing it, you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is definitely a business where you have to, you might not be fully confident, but you have to at least be confident enough in yourself and your abilities and whatever it is that you know to just start doing, because you're going to learn by, by doing. Like you can study all the real estate you want, but it's not mm-hmm. until you start doing the transactions, working with clients that you're going to really pick up what this business is all about. Nadine, I wonder if you had this uh, feeling too, but when I first started, I was so worried about people asking me how long I had, I had been in real estate oh, and yeah. I kept prepping an answer and nobody I think ever asked me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. I can think of maybe like one or two times I think where I got asked that question, but really I don't think it happens very often, but I think also to your credit, Mike, like you carry yourself very professionally and you don't just show up and wing it. You're always ready for every situation you're in. And if you are, then people aren't going to feel like they have to ask because they're just going to trust that, you know, this guy in front of me knows what he's talking about. So he must be experienced in real estate. Yeah. If you give them a reason to think you're not prepared, they'll never, they won't think you're not prepared. Right. I think to working right beside Millie for four plus years and seeing the type of conversations she'd have with CEOs, celebrities, anybody, you know, yeah. political figures and being able for her to have the confidence to give them hard, you know, or tough feedback really made me feel like, well, if she can do that. I can do this. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah, sure I- if you ever needed it, needed a little boost, I'm sure she would have been more than happy to give you a pep talk. Mm. Yeah. I mean, even now, some days, if something doesn't go as well as you want to, you know, you have your crew who you can talk to and, you know, be like, all right, I'm going to lick my wounds a little bit here and complain about this. And then you have your friends, you know, build you right back up. Yeah. Yeah. Another day. And I will say, I've I've noticed that you do that with newer agents as well, that you are someone that newer agents can come to and and look to for help. And that's, that's, it's really cool to to watch and witness you do that. Yeah. Well, I think it's fun just being on the other side of it and knowing how important it is when you're brand new to this and you don't want to screw anything up and having those more seasoned brokers give their time. um, You just appreciate it. And it's cool to see new brokers grow. And I definitely really enjoy it. Yeah, that's, that is, that is so much fun. I, I, I just, that's what I love about my role here at the office too, is I get the privilege of working with all the newbies and having been in their yeah. shoes, like you said, it can be terrifying, but it's very mm-hmm. rewarding to, to see them when they finally get it. And when they stop calling you as much, not because it's like, cause there's always somebody else. It's not like, oh great, now my phone's not ringing, but like, that's a good feeling. Like, okay, 
they get it now. Like they feel that confidence to do it on their own. I love that. Yeah, that's, it's so, it's so great because I think a lot of times people think this is a very lonely business, a very, you know, you're only working for yourself, but that's not true. You can bring people along with you. What's it? I feel like, what's the saying? There's enough for everybody. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right, though. I mean, for being such an individual career, per se, and it's an incredible community, and it definitely feels like a team, and it feels like, you know, you win as a team, and occasionally you'll lose as a team, but it's nice to have that at work. Oh, show. Yeah. Mike, I have a question, if we can stick on branding for just, like, one more second. Um, I know you've done some pr pretty cool things now that you're a solo agent. You had those little Rubik's cubes you brought to your open houses and um, you inspired a whole new awesome buyer's guide and like all kinds of things that you've been working on to stand out. Um, has that been a challenge for you going from a team and being on your own and now having to figure out your own brand? Has it been something you've like truly just enjoyed doing or maybe a little bit of both? I'd say a little bit of both. I have some ideas and when I'm laying in bed at night, I'll think of something new or I'll see something walk on the street and I'll write a note to myself. So I guess at this point, um, I'm, I've got some ideas. I'm trying to throw them on the wall and see what stick. Um, but what's great and what Eric Warner and this office helped me out with is I really wanted a nice guide for first time home buyers. Yeah. And something that looked really nice and it showed them the transaction map. It told them what attorney review was, what an inspection means. And for me, that was important because I knew that's what first-time homebuyers were looking for. And I wanted to make, to show them too, for branding-wise is that, oh, Mike Greco, he knows what the buyers want. He's two steps ahead of them. And he's already you know, providing value to me this way. So yeah. I haven't figured out all, all out totally, but I feel really good about where I'm at now after a couple of months of working with you guys. Yeah. And that Rubik's Cube was such a clever, clever idea. I loved it. Such yeah, a fun like idea. There's a million different ways you can go with this stuff. Sure. So it's kind of fun just trying a lot of different things out. Does yeah. that mean that we're going to see your face on the hand sanitizer stations at Mariano's? I can't say for sure. <laughs> but just look out next time you're there. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I would love it. I would love it if you just like, kept getting like really cheap dollar store toys and branding <laughs> your traps just random yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. i love this chinese finger trap thing that's a great, I don't know what great you idea yeah see there you go yeah all right that's i'm always trying to think outside the box what are your goals for your next for your business in the next year this year, I want to grow my own personal business by about 30%. Um, I have a certain volume that I'm trying to reach. And that's my, yeah, that's my this year goal. And so continue to grow, continue um, to have better systems in place. So, you know, managing current clients, you know, more efficiently, as well as uh, past clients, staying close to them, as well as um, prospective clients. And as I continue to grow, I know it's going to be more important to have really good systems in place. So 
So, you know, from a kind of like a tech processes side, I want to increase that as well as just overall output and sales volume. Cool beans. Are you on, are you on track? Are you doing good? Yeah, so far so good. I only asked that because I knew you were killing it. If you, if you weren't, I wouldn't have asked that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what are Do you, you have? Oh. No, John, after you. No, I no, think no, you're going to no, ask no. the question I was going to ask. Well, I want you to ask it then. <laughs> okay. We're so good at making this so awkward. Um, as part of your long-term goals, like, do you see yourself leading your own team Sunday? I see myself having maybe one to two team members total. So keeping it like a small, tight-knit team. Yeah. You know, I think in the next two years, my goal is to have an assistant. Um, and then maybe two to four years bringing on a uh, junior broker. So someone kind of take under my wing a little bit. Uh, maybe work part-time or full-time depending on the business. But I, I personally, I really enjoy spending my time with the clients and being there for almost every step of the way and being totally into it. So I think it would be hard for me to let go of that. Like some team leads have who have the 10 person teams. Right. But I just don't see myself going down that path. Yeah. That's the fun part is getting to do like the day-to-day -day with our clients and really being, being involved, not just doing the appointment, getting the deal mm -hmm. and then walking away and letting someone else take over. Right. Yeah. It's extremely gratifying for me. I such a you know a people person by nature, and winning together with the clients and yourself, it's a it's a great feeling. And every day, I mean, it, it gets gets me excited, gets me emotionally fulfilled. So it's there's not many jobs uh, where you can say that about you know, yep. your own career. So definitely lucky to be where I am. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, again that your passion for the business shows and your success in the business and how driven you are and how you come to this office every day and work on your business. And yeah, it's just, it's very clear that you were meant to be like a real estate agent because you're doing it so well. Oh, thanks, John. Agreed. Last, com last compliment you're going to get. What is... Let me say this one thing, John. Yeah. I, so I think the world needs some more compliments. So I'm doing a, uh, with two other brokers in the office, we do a weekly status and we talk about what's going well, what's not going well, our business. And we talk about like marketing ideas and just, you know, it goes like a weekly coffee group. Yeah. It's something that we instilled, which personally is my favorite part of the weekly status. We do a compliment corner for the last 10 minutes and we each go around and compliment each other. And we both found it, you know, it's the best part of the meeting. Oh, so I sure. think everyone can learn from that. And I think, you know, there's so much stuff that we do that's really good. And I think if we don't make a point of celebrating along the way, then what are we doing? You know, we got hung up on stuff that's the negative stuff. It's time, you know, we, we embrace the positive and we own it. No, that's absolutely true. And I agree. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of times when we do do something positive or something that we should be proud of, we feel guilty for wanting to be proud of it because like we feel like we still haven't worked enough or we could have done more you know so it, it's very easy to brush like good things and compliments under the rug because we feel like we don't deserve it so I absolutely totally. yeah 
we should acknowledge each other's positive things. I love that idea of the compliment corner. I, I agree with you guys. It is important to acknowledge those along the way. Otherwise, I think you can just kind of get into this path that'll start to affect your mindset if you don't take a minute out. Plus, there's so many things that we do, like you said, Mike, you know, agents are doing that their clients don't even know about all the things happening behind the scenes, all the little things you have to do to set up a good brand and um, so many areas that do deserve a little recognition and a moment to just like take pause and acknowledge that you did something well. And then lastly, it just speaks to that confidence again. Like if somebody was just saying compliments at me for 10 minutes, <laughs> I would probably feel like I own the world. So John, I think mm -hmm. maybe we need to put that in our weekly meetings too. Okay. I, love that. I think we're pretty good at complimenting each other. We are. That's pretty true. Oh, good. You guys are right there. <laughs> oh, that's such a Actually, I really, I, really, I really like that you said that. That's, that, that's legit. So how many, so how many like groups like that are you a part of, of broker groups? Just one. Just one. How long have you been meeting like that? Since the beginning of the year. And you find it helpful. What, what do you guys do on those coffee talks? Besides compliment corner. It's funny. So at the beginning, at the beginning of January, besides compliment corner, at the beginning of January, we were talking about prospecting and lead generation because none of us were doing a bunch of deals at the time. And it's funny, as we transitioned into February, when we started writing a bunch of contracts, then it came down to transaction management and okay, on inspections, what kind of issues are we running into? Or during AI, what kind of issues? And then now some of our conversations since places are actually closing, it's like, okay, once our clients have closed, what are we doing for closing for them? You know, are we doing, are we giving them a little gift? Are we, you know, like two months down the road, are we doing something special to commemorate their, you know, two month anniversary or just things like that? So it, it changes sure. um, kind of wherever our business needs are at, but it's cool. And it's nice to be able to just share, like, honestly, what we're doing like what we feel good about, what we don't feel good about with our business and get a peer's feedback. Yeah, for sure. To stop those cyclical thoughts in your own head if things aren't going right. Yeah, and also it's like, like when I said before, there's so many different paths a broker can take and sometimes you're stuck in your own head about the way you do things. So it's nice to see how yeah. other people do things and get some ideas that way. Yeah, good brainstorming and good feedback too. Cause yeah, you might learn yeah. a new way to do something. Or even like if it's like a system in place. So this follow-up, you know, post-close follow-up campaign. Is that something where you guys can like all work together to like figure out the pieces of what that looks like so that exactly. it's less work for any one of you? Yep. That's exactly and that's what we talked about, I think, the last time we got really went into that. Very cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mike, what is one real estate transaction that stuck to you, stuck out to you the most in your career? And actually, let's break into two questions. What's one bad one and what's one good one that you've had mm. in six years? Six years? Six years. Okay. So let's so the bad one, which this is quite a story. So I wasn't ready for this one. But uh <laughs> I had buyers who ended up writing a contract on a place that was for sale. And we got this a great offer, um, below list price, and we got it accepted. We're super excited. We did inspection, and then we didn't hear anything back during attorney review from our letter. 
uh, it ends up that the person who was selling the property actually didn't live there or was being contested for living there and was supposedly forged documents to say that he was the owner of the property and the deed was assigned to him over what? this woman's oh. estate. So it was a long drawn out process and I give all the credit to Ernie Rose and his team for the patience with us and also to my buyers for having the house kind of taken out underneath them. Yeah. Listed and, and you know, having worked with Millie and you know other transactions, I've never come across this before where the person who was selling the house really didn't have the right to sell the house. So I think the house is still in court, you know, held up in court a couple of years later. Um, my clients, luckily, were able to, after that transaction ends up dying, they were able to find another amazing triplex condo that is incredible. So they're happy. They're in a great spot. But that was definitely the most memorable for uh, not great reasons. Yeah, that's crazy. What do you say yeah. to your buyer in that situation when it's like there's literally nothing that you can do and you've already put in this time, you've written the offer, you've paid for the inspection, and now you have to walk away? Yeah, I think at first, when I first started as a broker, I would try to say stuff and try to say, well, this is how I feel and this is how you should feel. Now it's kind of, here's what happened, kind of less is more and see how they react and see what questions they have. And it's almost like, you know, like let's dwell on it for a minute, but now let's figure it out. Let's put it behind us and move forward and try to stay positive and proactive and let's get the job done. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. And I'm sure you can probably speak to that in today's market too. It's just so emotional right now with property selling well over list and multiple offers mm -hmm. and almost everything is just keeping that emotion out of it and focused on that solution. Sure. Yeah. But still give yourself a few minutes to feel bad because that sucks. That's a tough <laughs> yeah. situation. That's so wild. Yeah, we didn't know what was going on. Wow. So the guy was sleeping on the couch when we did our first showing too. <laughs> we went in there. And the seller was asleep on the couch and stayed asleep on the couch while we were there. So that was red flag number one. Yeah. <laughs> that and we woke happened. him up and he was totally startled. That happened to me. I, this was when my very first client in real estate, actually, we were doing showings. This was in the verbs. The listing agent confirmed the showing, but she forgot to let her seller know. And they were sleeping on the couch when we walked in and we scared <laughs> the shit out of them. They were terrified. <laughs> yeah. No. I've, uh, I've opened up, sometimes, you know, you go up to, you get a lockbox key if the broker's not mean you and you go up there and it, the doors aren't labeled. And I've opened up different doors that were unlocked thinking it was, you know, the unit you're showing and you're like, oh crap, this is not where it's supposed to be. Yeah. At all. No, to all brokers, if you are selling a condo in a small building where the doors aren't labeled, just put your business card on the door or something. Oh, yeah. Make it easier for us. Yeah. Sage advice. What was your most memorable, like, good transaction? Uh, so memorable for a couple reasons. What just for the circumstance and for what happened was last year I had some clients buying a condo in Ravenswood, and this house just was listed on the market, and we were there. I think it was open house where was when they were doing the first showings. So we get to the open house and it's like a line filing in and out of the door. This is pre-pandemic last year. So last February, mm -hmm. I want to say, of 2020. Mm -hmm. The place, we already had an idea that we we're going to write off on this place before we even walked in. So 
I had the comps ready. We knew if the condition was pretty good that this place was priced right. Um, we knew too that this market was, was moving pretty quick at this price point. So we went into open house. It was right on Damon. And so yeah, you literally couldn't turn around. There's so many people and there's no social distancing then either. And my, my buyers look at each other with them being there for 10 minutes and we're just like, all right, let's go. And I was like, oh, like they don't like it. What's going on? And then we go outside and they're like, yeah, this is the one. We're right in offer. So we went right down the street to the North Center, Baird Warner office, put together an offer at full list price. Sent it, came up with a strategy that we're going to be a little bit aggressive and give them a full price offer, but say we want to hear back right now because yeah. we're going to be looking at other stuff. So we want to hear back the same, you know, by tonight, um, just so we can get done with this. And we did that because we knew that there's going to be likely other offers coming in later this night or the next day. Um, and we would, didn't want to go into multiple bidding situation and potentially have to go over list price. So we came in pretty strong and we ended up getting it that right away. They said, great, you got it. Like our sellers are going to sign the contract. That's We're all high five, high fiving. Um, an hour after we signed the contract, you know, the seller disclosed to us that, oh, we actually did get in like two other full price offers right after. Um, so beat out the same offers, had a good inspection um, and ended up going to closing. Now closing was in April. So now it's like right in the middle of pandemic. No one knew what was going on. And uh, at closing, not, like so we weren't allowed to go into the room. I had the buyers in the back of my car and we were parked just right next to the closing right right on the street next to the closing office, trying to find Wi-Fi so we could talk to the attorney. The uh, It was raining. So the title company person would come with a stack of papers, come running out of the, running out of the uh, store or running out of their office with the papers. And then we would call them when we we're done and she'd come running back, put them in the envelope and shuttle them back to the place. So totally non-traditional closing, ah. uh, but memorable for that reason and uh, memorable for them we're having a great offer and getting it accepted. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a smart strategy. Yeah, yeah it worked out. doesn't always work out like that, but it's nice oh, one does. Indeed. Good on you. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to someone first starting out in real estate today? First day on the job. Mm -hmm. First day on the job. Um, it would be you don't have to know everything, but you need to figure out who to ask. So that would be is to find, figure out a way to find the answer. And yeah. don't be afraid to pick up a phone and call people. Call your colleagues. Call the broker on the other side of the transaction. Mm -hmm. Call your attorney. Call your lender. People will tell you a lot. And people, if you're being polite with someone, they're going to talk to you and tell you. Most people will tell you a lot of information. Yeah. Um, I think... You know, whenever I'm writing an offer, I always find it imperative to call a broker and, you know, learn from them and listen to them. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, nothing bad can come from that. They only positive stuff. So I think knowing the partners to take and then, um, I don't know, like try, do open houses, see if that works for you. Um, if you prefer, you know, talk to brokers who have teams and see if, you know, you can learn from them that way. I think it's this, there's so many different paths, kind of like we said before. It's just find what you want to do. So it's just like learning about what those what those options are. Yeah, learn about what those options are, and don't be afraid to try new things. 
That's really great advice. I know John's asked this question before of other agents in our office, and I don't think we've gotten that answer yet, but- No, we haven't. It seems like a really, like, it's a, that's a good answer. It's a really good answer. Yeah. Like, if you don't know, ask. It shouldn't be, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that hard. And that's so true, Mike, too, what you say, like, you'll be surprised how much people are willing to share with you and just mm-hmm. be, be polite and have a conversation. And that rapport goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. I think too, like when you think about brokers, so both brokers, like we're here to represent our buyer and our seller's best interests. And our job is to find a way to bring our buyers and sellers together. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what our job is while, you know, under the best terms for our clients. So as long as we keep that, you know, and everything doesn't, every deal that you close, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I hate the other side. No, like it's <laughs> a good thing when people like each other. It's a good thing when you have a fair offer and people treat each other with respect, you know, like it goes a long way and you can really set the tone that way. And I think it's for most transactions, that's the way to go. Obviously there's exceptions, but for the most part, you know, have this productive mindset and positive mindset. Yeah. It's what do they say? Like you get more. That's more flies with honey. With honey. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was, I was saying it, John. I'm like, why do you want flies though? Like, why are we trying to catch flies proactively? Good question. Are you trying to get them out of your house? Got it. You, you have yeah. an answer for everything. <laughs> I didn't know, so I asked. Yeah. See, there you go. Yep. Asked politely, so I gave you an answer. Yeah, yeah I never, I've never understood. <laughs> I've never understood the dragon slayer type agents and attorneys that are just like so rude and mean and angry and yelling and everything's in capital letters and it's mm-hmm. combative. It's like, like you said, you're just here to do a job for your client and bring two parties together. So let's have a civil conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Ooh, good wisdom from Mr. Mike Greco. And I'm super pumped for these new heavy hitters. I don't know what they are yet, but I know John's got some good ones for you. Are you, re- are you ready for my heavy hitter questions? I'm ready. Let's hear them, John. Okay. First one is, if someone made a movie of your life, which celebrity would you have play yourself? Oh, <laughs> like, on the spot. Mm. And who would you have play me? <laughs> <laughs> Part B. I love that. John, your, your heavy hitters get better every season. Thanks. Yeah, this is a good one. Mm. I don't know. I want to say, uh, I don't know, John. I have to think about that. I love Steve. I love Steve Buscemi. He's like kind of a interesting looking actor, but I, I think okay. I'm gonna even myself it. have no <laughs> have no qualities that are the same. I don't know. So it's a stretch. <laughs> so I don't know. I have a non-answer for you. Hmm. You, who you chose for yourself? I don't know. I'm thinking. Whoa. I mean, reach <laughs> yeah, reach stop. high, Mike. No, no, no. Oh. Um, let me think about it. John, hey, who do you guys see? This is oh, actually, maybe this is a hard question. I guess Fred Savage looks similar to me a lot, so maybe Fred Savage could do it. Yeah, I could see oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Fred Savage. Especially that's, if I don't have a beard. That's actually a really good answer. That's a good mm-hmm. answer. John, I have a question just so I know moving forward in the season. Do you have answers 
for our guests? Like, have you already thought of celebrities for them or is it just all the pressure on them? I should, I should think about it ahead of time in the future. I didn't this time. Okay. Well, I think that's a really good answer. Fred Savage. I think so. You really put that out. I approve that. <laughs> Your first answer is John. <laughs> I don't know. John, um, next time my agent needs to get these questions before you read them to me oh, about the celebrity yeah. stuff. So make sure that happens, okay? Your talent agent? Yeah, don't have a ever I I I'm sorry. Should we cut should we cut the interview? Yeah. Okay. Second question. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? So you can be rich, but no one will know who you are, but you'll have all the money you ever need. Or you can be famous, but you'll be dead broke. Which will I be happier? That's the question. That's a good question. Can you tell well, us? I don't know how many famous people are very happy, but I feel the same way about rich people. Uh, but I would go, I'd rather be famous because Why? I think if I were, hopefully it's not like a, notoriety thing like hopefully it's famous for a positive reason yeah, so i have some nice impact yeah, yeah if i have like like an impact and a lot of good friends yeah i think yeah. that i think that's the most important thing and then you know money can come second i think i'd rather be rich me too because <laughs> then i can so then you, you can do good things with your money yeah. I know, but being rich and miserable sounds awful. But I'd be rich and happy. Okay. John, they do say that I think after like 70K or 75K, like happiness doesn't increase. Yeah. Diminishing returns. 75K, like 75,000? Yeah, like annual income. That can't be true. It has to increase after that. That's no, they, they've done studies. That really? is some hashtag science right there. Yeah. yeah. Making sure. So maybe Mike has a point. Mm. That's, yeah. But also, like, if you're famous, though, then it's not like you could just go out to eat. Like, there'd be paparazzi everywhere. You know, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't make your life more convenient to be famous. Well, how do you define convenience, you know? Well, like, you couldn't, like, go to, you know, a Cubs game and just hang out with your friends. Cause you'd have like a line of people trying to get your picture or like, you'd have to like, like a, like a movie star famous. Yeah. Like you're famous, fame. like you're recognizable to yeah. people. But I feel like, famous. Yeah. 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 But you could do whatever projects you wanted to do. That's true. If you're a movie star where a rich person kinda, but it feels fake if they do it. Oh, that's a good point. So basically what I'm getting is that you put more value in being recognized for contributing than you than being worth something monetarily. I think that's spot on. Yeah. Good job, Mike. You're a good person. You've passed the good person test. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good person, it's just <laughs> personality. Well, that means John and I failed too, just for <laughs> But don't worry, John. We have the whole season to figure out the, the both of these questions. These are hard questions. Were they mm. good questions or should I keep workshopping? Uh, I mean, I'm bad at like being put on the spot like that with the movie one. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know actors, you know? So, uh, I, 
don't know. I think if you're going to do some of those, unless someone's like really quick, like give them a heads up. Sure. So don't pull that shit again, John. Okay. No. Um, I don't know. I, I thought these were really good questions. You did a great job. Thanks. Thanks, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> so random. What has he even been in lately? Well, he's just my favorite actor. Oh, man. He's a good actor. Yeah. He's good. He is very good. Um, well, we got to let you get back to all the things that will make you rich and famous, a.k.a. Mm. selling real estate. So, Mike, um, any parting words before we wrap this up? No. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> no, it was great talking with you guys. I, uh, it's great having you guys in the office and having you guys as a resource and friends. So... I'm a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. It was really, really good. Yeah, we are definitely the lucky oh, ones today. Good guy. Uh, stop. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Um, real quick, last thing, for anybody who's looking to reach out to you, whether it's somebody looking to buy, sell, invest, rent, or if it's another agent who's got some questions, uh, what's the best way that people can find you? Sure, people can find me on my Instagram which is Mike Greco, G-R-E-C-O-R-E. So Mike Greco, R-E, or uh, Mike Greco, R-E.com is my website. Awesome. And we will put that in the show notes. Um, but Mike, thank you so much, Faith. This was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Great chatting with you. You too. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.